Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Hevesi and host Brenda She/Her have been waiting for you. Come along for secret histories of nerd mysteries. episode 86 of secret histories of nerd mysteries my name is host brenda my name is host austin i don't think we've done that kind of intro in a long time <laughs> it's it's nighttime i've been awake all day i've kept brenda up not i don't want to say past their bedtime but i've kept brenda up past work time well right yeah this is definitely this is dinner time usually seven o'clock on the dot oh my god what i eat i eat dinner like an hour i feel bad now i ate dinner an hour ago <laughs> Well, I ate dinner an hour ago, but my usual time is seven <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I threw off you eating dinner, I see. Your stomach is like, <laughs> what is happening? Is it time to take a nap? Well, I had McDonald's for breakfast, which was the best breakfast McDonald's I've had in years. I was gonna like, go today to try and get a Halloween bucket, and I got self-conscious, and then I didn't go. Oh no, I was gonna ask if you went to go get a bucket, because the buckets are gonna go really fast. I got, I just like... I was there. I was like driving past, and I was like, "I don't. I'm just worried about being a bother. I don't want to like pull up." <laughs> and then they're like, "No," and I don't want to be like, oh, "Okay, see ya." And then I got to think of an excuse to be like, "Oh, um, one second, and then pretend I get a call. I don't. I'll think of an. Ex- I'll think of something." Austin, as someone who's worked at McDonald's during the return of the McRib and the last Monopoly thing, mm-hmm. it's it's not a bother. You, you just roll up and you say, hello, do you have the buckets? And they say, yes, bucket or no bucket. And if they say no bucket, you just say, thank you for your time. And yet leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll try tomorrow. So much stuff, yeah, so much stuff happens to them in a day that's like so <laughs> much more egregious. Bad, than- <laughs> <laughs> no, like, <laughs> you get people who are just like, do you got the McRib? Do you got those adult Happy Meals? I need 10 of them. Like... Yeah, Someone asking politely if there's a bucket no, is nothing. That's like, oh, phew, a normal human interaction. <laughs> I'll do it. Yes, I'll I would like it. I would like ten fries, and I would like them all to be fresh. I just want one hamburger patty, but no salt or pepper. <laughs> it's not for mean? a dog. Usually, when people ask for like no salt or pepper because they put like a little bit of like a mixture of salt and pepper on the patty like the hamburger patties Mm. usually when people are like no salt or pepper they're like gonna give it to a dog which don't don't give your dog don't don't do that wait (laughs) but anyway people do it if you want to make if you want to give your dog a hamburger just make them a dog you can like make them a dog hamburger yeah it's like Like, be committed (laughs) like go to the fucking store and get the weird dog meat (laughs) They make dog meat now. That's the that's the wild things that yeah. there is just dog meat. Or make them like a chicken breast. Like they can have a chicken breast. Yeah, make them a chicken breast and eggs. Like come on, commit. We have news. I don't have a lead, and they're making Lord of the Rings NFTs. This is wild to me. This is uh, absolutely so. Warner bananas. Brothers, Warner Brothers Discoveries, arm Warner Warner Bros Home Entertainment uh, is teaming <laughs> up with blockchain company Elviro. 
Never to, heard of them. Never. To each Lord of the Rings Fellowship, the Fellowship of the Rings extended version, the full Peter Jackson one on Web3. If you don't know what Web3 is, Web3 is like an NFT website. I refuse to look too much into this because I don't need my Google thinking I care about NFTs. <laughs> Web3 is essentially like, so like right now we're like on, I believe we're on Web2. And that's yeah. just like the backbone of like the internet, like what mm-hmm. it's built upon. Web three is people are like, this is what how the internet's going to be built in the future. Whether or not that's true is up for debate, <laughs> but it's just saying like this is like a new infrastructure and a new backbone for the internet as a whole. This is the first major studio releasing a movie as an NFT. It's going to be the first in the WB Movieverse. A new marketplace that will be the fu- that will in the future include other titles from the studio, so says one of the general managers over at Warner Bros. Home Entertainment. Um, they don't know the future ones will be, but they do plan on it. And on the platform, you'll be able to buy, f- buy, sell, and trade movie NFTs. Uh, there will be 999 copies of the Epic Edition, as it's being called, priced at $100, and 10,000 of the Mystery Edition for $30. Now, I'm sure you're wondering... What's in this? Don't worry. It's great. You get the extended version of the film, which is 3 hours and 48 minutes in 4K HD, which you could already own in physical edition, and any Lord (laughs) of the Rings fan that wants it already has probably more than one. Has several copies on Blu-ray, on DVD. I know someone who owns the special edition and the normal edition, and like a a director's cut, I think is what it's called. Mm Because there's like, there's normal, there's the extended edition, like the Peter Jackson, like four hour one that this is, and there's one in between. I know someone who owns that on DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K for all of the editions of the movie. Wild. Like, (laughs) that's dedication. You will keep access to eight hours of special features, hidden images, and hidden AR collectibles. There's also special navigation menus for three film locations. <laughs> and specific location key art. Uh, and Frodo's feet pics. <laughs> no. The, the, <laughs> the Mystery sweet, Edition... sweet, sweet... <laughs> mystery I'm Edition hobbit-y. has one of those things I just mentioned assigned at random. Uh, <laughs> and the Epic Edition also has image galleries. And I'm sure what you're noticing... None of this I'm saying says exclusive or new, because as far as I can tell, none of it is new content. There's nothing left that hasn't already there's been nothing, released. There's nothing there's left nothing in the Lord of the Rings movie. They have given us, they have given those fans literally everything. Everything. They've milked that movie so thoroughly, there's no more <laughs> milk. There's abs- It's just there's dry zero. as a bone. <laughs> yeah, they're, they are clearly jumping off the back of... The show that I don't know how it was received. I didn't hear it talked about, so I'm guessing it's not great. Yeah, it's like people seem to be like, okay with it? It feels like a thing like big fans are watching and smaller fans like dip their toe in and are like, eh, and then left. It's hard because there's also like simultaneously like a Game of Thrones series. Right, which I'm not also not hearing much about. No, I hear weird things about it and then I just kind of like turn around and say goodbye. I've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones, and I've also never seen a single Lord of the Rings movie. So to both of these, <laughs> I just say goodbye. Yeah, it. Um, I like clicked around what they like let people look at as like preview stuff, and it looks like a bunch of stuff that if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you already have or have another way to access it. There's nothing new they're putting mm-hmm. in this, so I don't know who this is for at this point. Like it'd be different if it was like. 
they had never released this edition before, right? Because then I think Lord of the Rings fans would feel torn between, fuck, I want this, and, oh, NFTs. Yeah, there's nothing incentivizing them to purchase this at all. None. Like, they're gonna... It's also so weird, like, the weird fake scarcity, like, we're gonna make 999 mint copies of the Mm -hmm. Epic Edition. What does that mean? It's a digital... It's a full movie. My movie isn't different from someone else's movie just because you put a fake number on it. Where do you watch it? Like, do you just have to watch it on your computer? Yeah, it's on Elvira. You have to make, like, an Elvira account and, like, get, like, a wallet and get, like, NFT money to buy it. That's, this is wild. And I hate the thought of, like, the commodification, the scarcity. I hate the thought of scarcity of media. Yes. Like, because for this, at least, we do have all of the extended editions. But let's pretend Mm -hmm. this is, like, a new movie Mm -hmm. where the special features haven't been released yet, like, on Blu-ray or anything. Or they've, like, held special features from those things. Mm -hmm. So you would have, like, this media that's, like, put behind this paywall that will eventually just, like, be gone. Be gone. Yeah, it's, like, you can. It's a digital vault, so it is. Yeah, you can stream and purchase content there. You don't like, like it's weird, right? Because the whole thing is like you have an exclusive thing, but I'm like, I can't put this on my computer. It's only hosted on this weird Web three website that you're assuming will be able to hold itself up. And what if it? What if when it crumbles? <laughs> when when it crumbles? What happened? It, it's just gone. You've lost like out on your whole movie library. This has happened before with like lesser um like movie rental services that you yeah. can buy like digital movies to like to have and like they there's a ton of those that have gone out of business and yeah. people have lost like their content people have lost mm-hmm. like their video digital video games that they've mm-hmm. um you know like pt yeah. that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> yeah i know and people have the same worries with like video games um mm-hmm. and i always say i'm like it's different for me to buy a digital game from nintendo and assume that, like, when I get a new system, if it's if it's compatible, like, transferring it or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but Nintendo's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, Nintendo has, like, a record. But yeah. this weird NFT site I've never heard of, like, why would why would I trust them with even my $100? Why would I do that? I would compare it to Stadia, because Google Stadia right, is exactly. going under. What exactly. happens to that library? Are they going to give out Steam vouchers? To people, uh, I don't think that they are. No, I know. I got an email about it, and you had a few different options to like try to save your library, um, and none of them seemed good. I think one of them was like some games they were offering some kind of way to like download it somewhere else. Uh, a lot of the email was about like because I because Google Stadia did like a free month thing back when lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff was about, like, saving your your save data. They were giving ah. people ways to, like, save their save data in like, the, in, like, Google Cloud for free. And then you could, like, get the game somewhere else and try and transfer it. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I was like, like... I, I skimmed it. I was like, I don't really have any games in Stadia. I played Destiny on it, like, twice. And I was like, this is too... It was, like, too <laughs> crisp, right? <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i play on console i was like this is like too much information for my brain to process at once <laughs> but yeah it's it's just i i can't tell you what you your money i wouldn't buy a movie from a website that sounds like it popped up yesterday yeah exactly <laughs> especially if you can already buy the Said extended movie. editions <laughs> mm-hmm. in 4k in like any format you want i bet like the first one was even released on vhs like oh god it may have been i i want to say because that was like early early 2000s it was like was 2000s so it's like yeah 
I think that probably had a uh, VHS release. So yeah. it's like, there's no reason unless you're like an NFT collector. I don't know what they're up to. I don't care to know what they're up yeah. to. I mean, they're just trading the same. They're trading the same one hundred dollars back and forth, and we yeah. we know that, right? That's the other thing. Like, we know it's a dying market because when you look at the data, they're like, it's like the same one thousand people every day. <laughs> exactly, like the people who hit big hit big right at the beginning, but there's like no more money in it no. because like it's just such a volatile market. It's weird because even more volatile market than like collectibles, like collecting yes. comics or Pokemon cards. Because at least you have the thing, right? Like, even mm-hmm. if you get a comic, you go and buy a speculator issue of, like, Deadpool 15 because Deadpool's new neighbor's in it or whatever. And you're like, what if the neighbor's <laughs> in the movie? And then the neighbor's not in the movie. And you're like, ah, shit. You're like, well, at least I have, like, you still have an issue of Deadpool. Like, yeah, you have a physical thing. Uh, it's not the worst thing. Worst case, you throw it into a box when you're selling a bunch of comics and you're like, this box of comics is worth $40. It's a bunch of comics I don't care about anymore. Mm-hmm. They weren't worth any money, so... Yeah. But it's a physical thing that if they wanted to hold on to it forever, exactly. they could hold on to it forever. And but eventually in... your JPEG of a monkey, or, yeah, monkey is going to go away. Exactly, <laughs> like... exactly. It's, it's... Do you have people that got into collectibles that are still selling things from, like, 30 years ago, and that when they got it 30 years ago, they thought it'd be worth something next week, and it wasn't, but now... They're making, uh, you know, they're making like a Hush movie or whatever for DC. That's not mm-hmm. real, but like, you know, you never know. Yeah. Speaking of DC <laughs> uh, and movies, DC film boss Walter Hamada has officially departed the studio. Um, he has finalized his exit. He was the president of the DC Films arm of Warner Brothers for 15 years. And as of October 19th, 2022, he has officially left the lot and is waiting for him, he's just waiting for his final exit payout. Wow. Yeah, he was, he had just upped his contract, he was supposed to go through 2023, but recent news uh, had him <laughs> questioning that. And he was like, I'm getting off this ship, goodbye yeah. everyone, it's sinking, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, as we <laughs> said back when the Warner Brothers Discovery, like, not when, when the merger finalized and they did their big, like, we're a new company now. And the ship caught on fire. Uh, Hamada was like, I'm jumping off. And reportedly, <laughs> which this might be true now with, we, with this happening, reportedly was stop, literally stopped by employees from packing up his things to not quit. Uh, so they could finish, they could get Black Adam out. Black Adam is out. <laughs> Black Adam um, is not com- getting great reviews. No, it is not. <laughs> now, let's also remember, this is... One of two movies that Warner Brothers could afford to release this year, like, to the end of this year. Mm-hmm. It's Black Adam, and then, like, I think it's a rom-com of some sort. I don't yeah. care, or no. Yeah, 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 it some is. Some other yeah. movie. So, like, those were the last. And they had to move other movies, because I don't think Shazam 2 actually ended up coming out this year. Mm-mm. I don't believe so. That got pushed back. Yeah, which is weird, because that was supposed to come out a while ago. Black Adam's rejected to have a big opening. Because people love the Wayne and Rock Johnson, regardless of what a review says. But if but if everyone goes this weekend and sees it, and they're like, then like anyone that was waiting isn't going to see it. And <laughs> it won't matter what their opening is if it doesn't keep making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you're not going to go back and watch, presumably, watch Black Adam again and again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is a bummer, because Dwayne Rock Johnson has been working for years to get yeah, literally out. years. He, he was very wanted. I want to win for Dwayne because he is 
just as, as far as I know, as far as what's been reported, and when he lets the public see of him, is a saint. Hamada is the fifth Warner Bros. motion picture studio executive to leave since David Zlaz took oh the reins. My God. <laughs> the other people who left were the Warner Bros. motion picture group chairman, the president of production and development, the motion picture group COO, and the anim- animation group uh, executive vice president. So Wild. That is... Not looking good for the fact that Warner Bros. Discovery said they wanted to get, like, some sort of Kevin Feige figure to run DC across all the mediums. It's not, I don't know who's going to want to take that job when they look and they're like, how many top levels execs left? Five. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with um, Ezra Miller, you know, declaring that, like, they weren't guilty. Yes. They claimed they weren't guilty, but then they pled Mm -hmm. guilty in court. Oh my god. So it's like there's a very high chance that Ezra's going to jail for Ezra's upwards facing, of 20 Yeah, 26 years. years. Yep. <laughs> they wrote The Flash 2 already. <laughs> yeah, how's that, that going to go? They I mean, I wonder reason. if like Walter was like, I know Ezra's going to fucking jail. I don't want to be here for it. Because what do you do? You can't. <laughs> Warner Brothers, look at me in my eyes. Yeah, you cannot the release The Flash <laughs> if Ezra goes to jail. What's you the plan? Can't what do is that. The, like it supposedly also Hamada was no longer even taking part in any meetings, creative or business, that he had packed up his office months ago when they're like, Don't quit. He's like, I won't quit. I'm still taking my shit though. Oh, he was quiet quitting. Yeah, he quite he <laughs> he was like, I will not be here, but I will not officially quit. You can keep paying me, but I'm not gonna do anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, so it is it's a mess over there. If you're listening to this and you're someone who works there, I wish you Godspeed. Good luck. If you're still there, it's a small miracle. <laughs> they fired so many people. They're dropping like flies. Every like, day just, there's ugh. a new... There's every... We said this back when we did the big update about like, here's how their press conference went. And literally every day since, I'm sending Brenda, or Brenda's sending me some headline that's like, what is happening over there? It, yeah, it's just absolute, it's chaotic. And it's like, it looks bad to investors. It looks bad to people like who are going to purchase your media. Mm-hmm. It is just, it is bad. Yeah. It's very bad. But I have different news that is a little better. Yes. Joe Rogan has been pushed out of the number one podcast spot for both overall Spotify rating. Spotify. Is it Spotify? It's Spotify. It's Spotify. That's every, the time, word. every time I say Spotify, it feels wrong. It's a fake <laughs> word they made up. I, I wonder how they. It, that's not this episode. I wonder how they came up with the name Spotify, but please continue. Every time I say it, I have to pause because it feels like I'm doing it wrong. But anyway, Joe Rogan's podcast <laughs> has been kicked out of the first spot for both overall podcasts and comedy podcasts which is wild <laughs> his podcast was listed as a comedy pod wait no it, that's, no yeah, wait, you no, cannot just what? wait yeah it's in the comp i'm gonna go look right now i'm gonna go into spotify which feels still feels wrong and fake let's see spotify search podcasts scroll down comedy beat show me the rings Show me the beef. Yeah, it's it's on the comedy listing, which is like, you guys not know what humor is? Yeah, what? Do, who's do run, who's who's in charge of that Spotify? I, I it's not a, anyway. He's been kicked out of the first spot by Markiplier's podcast Distractable because Markiplier posted a video 
and was like, if you get my podcast, he has two. He has Distractible, and then he has Let's Go, I think it's Let's Go Favorite Sports Team. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if you get both of these into, like, the top ratings, I'll start at OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, In, my God. Yeah, the power a, a hot nerd wields is un, is unmatchable. Honestly. You know, it's like, as far as, like, you know, YouTubers go, Markiplier is hot. Not gonna lie. So it's like, it makes sense. And um, I really just like to see Joe Rogan get um, pushed aside because what a piece of shit. <laughs> just awful. I don't understand how I do, right? Because like, he is very not liked. But you have his his actual fans. And then you have people who are like, oh, well, he just uh, listens to both sides of the arguments, which ugh, they don't realize they're actually fans. They, they think they're not bad people. Um... <laughs> so many fake intellectuals act like he's like so neutral I'm like but he literally isn't he li- do you listen to him he's, talk yeah, he's literally he's not. not he does not just he's invite not. someone he's on and let them talk he's, he's literally awful but also just like the top podcasts is like kind of it's a hellscape yeah like oh, I'm i never sure. look at like i'm sure <laughs> it's like the tulsi gabbard show kim kardashian's the system who wants to hear any like who wants to listen to anything any of the Kardashians have to say? Don't you have anything better to do? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Well, it's again, it's the people who are actually fans and the people who are like listening for a bit, right? They're like, wow, this makes no sense. Isn't this hilarious? Quote unquote hate listening, right? And like, it doesn't, that's why I don't like do that. I'm like, it's, that's just money in their pocket. They don't fucking care. Like they have, when you get to that level, they do not give a shit while you're putting money in their yeah. pocket. They will just take it. Just pirate it. It's like, you know, Candace <laughs> Owens' podcast shouldn't be 32. Just and then it's Ben so Shapiro. Yeah. And it's like Spotify keeps like um, platforming because like Joe Rogan's podcast is a Spotify exclusive. Yes. But then you have like legitimately good podcasts. Like uh, a recent one that I started listening to just got canceled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was called Every Little Thing. And it was like about like people would call in with like questions about like really obscure things like, why aren't there any flamingo sports mascots or what's why does every newscaster it, it's like weird niche stuff like that it's like why does every newscaster in the u.s sound the same um what's the history of toys that talk and it was like really weird niche yeah. things it got canceled last week spotify, spotify made them go exclusive last year and then canceled them and it's like it feels like a grand orchestra sometimes, right? Because th- I feel like so many things keep going exclusive just to get, like, drop kicked by, by any by any platform, not just Spotify. You got Spotify does it, Netflix will do it. Am- Amazon just did it to Paper Girls. Like, well, they, like, make, they, like, do this big buildup, and then they're like, <laughs> I fucking tricked ya. I didn't, I just didn't want this to get made. Now you're canceled. Austin, what is our topic? Uh, that's a good question. So the year is 1991. Oh, that's that's both of our birthing years. That's our birth year. We are born as this tape is being taken off a shelf, and a man shuffles over to his TV, dreary and sick with the flu, to sit down and watch a friend's performance um, that they were quite proud of. While watching, he sees his friend skate across a skate across a stage, dressed as a jester, flash some people. And put on just, like, the most bizarre performance I've seen, because I didn't watch this tape. (laughs) But this performance gives him the brain blast of his entire life. Some would say it defines the rest of his media career, and it certainly changes media for the rest of time. Can I make a guess? You can make a guess. 
Mm, you doing Harley Quinn? We are doing Harley Quinn. I knew it! I knew it! Yeah, the screenshot I sent you is from the from the show clip. I should have looked at that. Like, I looked at it and was like, neat, I don't know what that's from. But I'm going to go back and look at it again. <laughs> so the, the, the clip is from Days of Our Lives from 1984. If you've never seen... if I will we'll get to it. If you've never seen the clip, it is fucking bizarre as shit and Arlene wrote the wrote that bit <laughs> Arlene. uh so the year is 1992 now the day is september 11th i know <laughs> i know i know what it sounds like i, know. I understand We're i've been not, staring just at it don't... in my notes all day i know i try i know i get it it's, it's unfortunate it's it's a weird <laughs> circumstance i do wonder sometimes what paul dini thinks about it uh because right like 2001 would have been close to a decade (laughs) so (laughs) that that must have been weird in 2002 and he's like wanting to celebrate (laughs) people are like what's wrong with you he's like we can never celebrate the inception of this character (laughs) maybe they just celebrate on her fake birthday in june so i feel yeah i feel like because there is a harley quinn day yes there's harley harley quinn Quinn month is in february Mm. At okay. least, it, at least it was. I don't know if DC still celebrates that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if DC still observes <laughs> Harley Quinn month. But 1992, September 11th, Harley Quinn premieres for the first time in the entire world in Batman the animated series in the episode Joker's Favor. This is the first weird thing about this fucking topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody agrees on what episode Joker's Favor is in the Batman the animated series. Here's here's what I mean. So, appar- apparently, according to my research, it is the 22nd episode made in production. As we know, being you, Brennan, as people listening may or may not know, let's just let you know, in, in animation, things get, like, there's a production line. Episodes, they, this Batman animated series is made to be syndicated. They made 60 episodes at the rip, or 63 mm-hmm. or something. They were like, this will be syndicated, it's Batman. So the order yeah. wasn't super important to them, short of, like, they had a few, like, two-parters. Like, there's a Catwoman two-parter. Um, there's, I think the there's Robin a... two-parter. There's a Robin two-parter. Like, the two-parters are, like, they matter. Everything else, it's like, yeah. who fucking cares? This is syndicated, it's Batman. And so, Joker's favorite 22nd episode in production, which is the 20, it's the 22nd episode that got done. The That's what I could figure out. The Wikipedia listed as a 22nd episode of the entire series and that it aired on, the November, on September 11th, 1992. <laughs> but on HBO Max, it is listed as the eighth series, eighth episode in the series. <laughs> While also on HBO Max, the supposed first episode of the series is listed as number three, and instead it says the series starts with a two-parter Catwoman story instead of On Lover <laughs> Wings with Man Bat. Which is always what I thought was the first. <laughs> exactly. Now, what is it in the, the box set? I'm glad you asked, because I, I I bought the box set recently. <laughs> yeah, you showed me. I was like, that's why I put the, the pieces together. I was just like, okay, performance, clowns, all right, the clue picture, Austin bought Batman, the animated, <laughs> on, Eureka! My first thought was Barney, and then I was like, <laughs> No, that's that would have been a good one, I'm sure. I know. I, I'm terrified to do, like, preschool stuff we watch, because I, I don't want to find out, like, the actor for Barney did coke on set and punched the kids or something. Like, well, there's, I, a, there's a documentary coming out. Oh, no, you're right. Well, okay. I feel like anytime yeah. we do something sub when we were like 10, we find out horrible, horrible things. I think the documentary is mostly because, 
you know, people were talking about like, oh, it's going to show the dark side of Barney. It's mostly mm-hmm. just focusing on the hate Barney got and like how Barney got a lot of hate. Barney from, like, got a lot grow- of hate from like grown adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what the documentary is about. It's not like there's stories about the guy who played Barney, but anyway, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's. The, the documentary in itself is about, like, you know, people at colleges who would get together and, like, blow mm-hmm. up Barney toys. And what a time. What a time. But anyway, continue. The official box set lists Joker's favorite is episode 22, but other episodes in the box set are still non-congruent. The first episode is in there. Like, there's other random episodes that aren't in the right spot when cross-referencing. And even mm-hmm. stranger still, some fan sites, including the Batman wiki, that's, like, the, the official Batman fan wiki, you know, like... We all know yeah. there are fan wikis that are seen as official, albeit with way too many ads. Like, triple the exactly. ads. Yeah. Most of the fan wikis listed as Joker's favorite episode seven. Wild. What is it? I'm not done! <laughs> Besides <laughs> that, this is this is my one weird Joker fact. Besides <laughs> that, people say that Joker's favor is the first episode with Joker. Then there's a Christmas episode that's in production earlier called Christmas Joker that was first in production, but it's not the first. It doesn't air first. But that that is like what fans and historians of Batman say. But Wikipedia has that as episode two. <laughs> what the it, hell? HBO Max has Christmas Joker's episode 38. What is the answer? Hey, I, Mr. Dini, <laughs> because I know, I know, I know our network ha- has to have a way to contact Mr. Dini. Mr. Dini. I don't need to talk to Bruce Tim. Mr. Dini. <laughs> what number is it? Just what? tell me. You I just need there. to I, I need to know, like, it's very hard to find like because you you would need like TV guides at that point. Yes. Like at we this have po- to find the TV guide. And trust me, I went down a rabbit hole looking for TV guide by TV guide, trying to cross-reference when the episode was in production and when it said it aired. But one that I was, I, that took, that was like a day of research lost. I was like, this is too much. This is not. <laughs> Getting nowhere. The, if I ever do just straight up Batman the Animated Series, I will go down a TV guy rabbit hole and make the true list. That is not today. <laughs> just Joker's, just know, everyone agrees that Joker's favorite is the, fev- is the first episode. We all know that. With Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. No one agrees what number episode it is. Harley Quinn, as she was known at this point as only Harley Quinn, was first created to be a one-off character for Batman Animated Series. She was created by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm. Paul Dini did everything but the art. Bruce Timm did the art. As Bruce Bruce Timm, and I quote, Paul did the first sketch for her, and it was frankly really atrocious and didn't work at all, (laughs) so I cleaned it up. (laughs) Going through this, Bruce Timm is, like, not mean, but he is, like, not, like, mince words. He's He's just, like... It was bad. <laughs> so I think, I don't know if you've seen the original sketch for Harley Quinn. I've not seen the original. I'm going to look this up. I need to see. So the original sketch for Harley Quinn like has the black and white bodysuit. She has blonde hair. She has more of like a, I think it's like a banderler mask. Is that what it's called when it's like the Robin mask? God, what is that called? There's a name for it. And then there's some notes. There's, there's some notes in the margin that she's sassy. She's dangerous. There's some other notes that I can't make out on this, like, upload of the original sketch. They've since made a, um, they made a statuette you could buy of, like, of the original sketch. Oh, yeah. Okay, we had this statue at work. The eyes in this sketch are sending yes. me. <laughs> yeah, they, I'm not an artist, right? <laughs> Look, it's not awful. Like. <laughs> it's not as bad as Bruce Tim made it out to be. Yeah, it is like 
proportionally, it's a, it's better than I could do. Mm-hmm. TBH. But the eyes are just, <laughs> just like this like little little sketch of her face in the corner and she's like me. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's Hey, listen. It was enough to get the to get Bruce to there, right? Yeah. This isn't a bad outfit. It is cute, but <laughs> <laughs> Originally Harley Quinn was meant to be the equivalent of a walk on roll. So walk on roll is literally what it sounds like, which is you show up, you're there, you do or say a few things, and then you leave and never show up again. Just like a background character. Just like, like. a background character. You're just like and like it's exciting if it's like someone famous, right? If like fucking Samuel Jackson has a walk on roll for like a comedy, maybe they'll like he'll do like a very Samuel Jackson thing, like he'll make like a joke and then he'll be gone. Like yeah. it's it's just like Samuel Jackson was on lot, we needed a background character, we thought, why not? It'll be funny. And then he leaves. He's, like, not central to this story. Just is like, he was around and had a free hour. Mm-hmm. That was essentially what Harley Quinn was meant to be, which is a wild idea for animation, because there's so much work in that. Yeah, really. And essentially, it was, like, a cameo for Paul's friend. <laughs> like- yeah. So she was meant to be a foil for the Joker. That was it. It was, like, she shows up in this walk-on-roll, shows off the Joker, because Paul was... This is Paul's... Paul's a contract writer for the Batman animated series this time. He is not on staff... Um, he has written for Batman books before, wow, for TV before he wrote for Tiny Toons? Yeah, he had a lot of work on Tiny Toons. He had some work on Ewoks. Yep. (laughs) The Ewoks cartoon. Like, so he's, like, written before. This isn't, like, his first Mm -hmm. geek ever, but this is the first time he's getting to write a Joker story as, like, a contract writer for DC. Like, this is, like, a big deal. Like, this Batman anime series is, like, a big deal for DC to be doing. And this, this is, like, you impress these people, like... You could be set. Mm-hmm. He, Paul says, and I quote, Paul, my friend Paul. Uh, says, <laughs> Good old buddy Paul. He says, quote, the way I created her was, the way I created her was I was writing a story called Joker's Favor. And it was my first Joker story and I wanted to make it good and I wanted to make the Joker everything he's he is in the comic books but better. Which is funny, scary, and egotistical. And I thought maybe before it will bring out some of those personality traits. <laughs> which works in joker's favor her first words is um i think she ain't that right mr j like her first words are already like affirming words she is pretty much a echo chamber to him like anything he Mm -hmm. says she is like great perfect incredible the reason he got this idea is joker at this point always just had like nameless goons with him there's always just like a bunch of fucking guys so dini was like what if they had a hench girl what if he had like a gun molly so gun molly was really popular in the Batman TV show in the 60s where villains had, like, a hot lady, essentially. Mm-hmm. There was, like, the bad guy, and there was always some hot la- some hot lady that was, like, you're the smartest <laughs> man in the world. That was purely existed <laughs> to make the guy cool. That was it. But Paul was like, but what if she's, like, a little bit more outspoken? Like, what if she's, like, a little bit more than just, like, hot? What if she, like, talks and stuff? So, again, this is a lot of thought for a one-shot character. But, again, it's his his first time writing Joker. This is... The the Joker's, like, one of the hugest, biggest bad guys of all time. Like, everyone... Like, people recognize the Joker. These kids watching the show, their parents will recognize the Joker. How does he, like, leave an impact? Like, what if this is, like, a little different? And also, there's a little bit of... He's, like, there's a little bit of, like, you never know what his ex will say, like, more of that. Like, you never know when you're working in the business, like... What you throw to the wall, that someone's to be like, that was a good idea, let's use that. And it's not every day you get to introduce a new character into the DC universe, even if it's a one-shot character. Because, I mean, even at this point, like, how many comic characters do we know that, like, it was someone's brother in the background that then got, like, a weird spinoff book? 
Yeah. <laughs> As Brenda noted, though, the biggest influence for Paul Dini to create Harley Quinn was from his friend Arlene Sorkin. So Arlene was on Days of Our Lives until 1990? What's um, Days of Our Lives? Days of Our Lives is a soap opera. Sorry, I was a, my mom was a soap opera watcher, so I'm a soap opera kid, so I'm just like, Days of Our Lives, yeah, it makes sense. Oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm the same, but my mom was General Hospital, so. Oh. <laughs> Maybe we have some Gen Z people who listen who definitely don't know what a soap opera is. <laughs> no clue. Arlene Sokin. Arlene so Arlene Soikin. 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 Sorkin. Play Calliope Jones on Days of Our Lives from... 1984 to 1990, and then she had some, like, then she had some, like, cameo roles here and there. But in this episode, she plays a court jester in a dream sequence who roller skates around trying to make people laugh. Soap operas are weird. They're super weird. The entire sequence is written by Arlene. She was like, what if, like, there was a string of episodes that were, like, dream sequences where, like, Calliope does weird shit, essentially. (laughs) Uh, And the producers were like, I guess... Sure, we have to, like, spit out one of these a day until the end of time, so go for it. <laughs> we, like, Sands of an Hourglass, he's in the days of our lives. <laughs> That's the opening. There's, like, a narrator who says that, and there's, like, an hourglass. <laughs> it was a reference. Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> but, like, if that doesn't happen, we may not get Harley Quinn, so. Exactly. At least not how she exists now. Yeah. It's pretty wild to watch. I implore people to watch it. It is... Just if you type in Arlene Sor- Sorkin, Harley Quinn scene, it it's the it comes right up. Mm-hmm. That's what led to her like kind of look as like a court. That's like the idea of like a court jester. Joker's a clown. That makes sense. Like the Harley Quinn, like this like old French trope. Like that. Like that. That's what led to all of that was seeing Arlene do this skit. Well, mm-hmm. show skit inside the show. And to her voice, <laughs> Arlene would voice the character. Uh, a lot of her personality is influenced by Arlene and Arlene's character Clippy Jones. Um, and her name. Arlene is not far from Harley and is not far from Harley's quote unquote like civ na- like civilian name Harlene. Her name is almost Columbine. That was a that was a <laughs> good thing that they did not do. I almost said something else, which would have made it even worse. <laughs> so Man, did I'm just, they sure avoid that. Yeah, I'm just saying like Name it here, Columbine, and the origin being on the on 9-11 would have been, like, too much. <laughs> that, too much. So this character would have just been, like, <laughs> like buried. Like, we never reference. Or they would have had to, like, change her name down totally, the road. Or... Totally change her name. They're like, what do you mean? She first appeared on September 10th. What are you talking about? <laughs> Bruce Tim leaned on the traditional cover Harley, of a Harlequin. But it was like, what if it's a supervillain? So it's like a bodysuit, the red and black from Paul Dini, like the the split color from Paul Dini's idea. Do you know where they how they landed on the red and black motif? Hmm. Is it? I'm second, I'm thinking of color theory because it probably has to. What is the opposite of red? It's blue. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing like, I can't, I can't figure it out because I was like, well, maybe like it's like the opposite it's of not- Joker's. It's, it's not that it's not. smart. No, it's not. <laughs> it's borrowed red and black from a combo character in the 1940s golden age that Bruce Tim liked called Daredevil. Not that one. There's another one. He wore a black and red bodysuit and had a boomerang. A this boomerang. was also news to me. Like, I was reading this interview from... It was, like, in some magazine called Back Issue number 99 that I... It was, like, for the 25th anniversary of Batman, uh, the animated series. 
and Bruce Tim is like, it's from it's inspired by Daredevil. He's like way before the Marvel stuff, and I was like. What do you mean, bro? It's like it, this. You can Google Daredevil nineteen forties comic, and you'll see what I mean. This I am right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. This is wild. Mm-hmm. He has like a spiky belt, <laughs> like a like a spiky dog collar belt, <laughs> and like half of him, half of his body is red, and half of his body is black. Except in this picture, he has like underwear and half of the underwear is black and half of the underwear is yellow. That's the biggest one that I don't get. I was like, wait, why is, why, why, why is, is the it red yellow? yellow? Is it to define that he's wearing underwear and not naked? Yeah. I think they're like trying to be like, don't worry. He is wearing pants, even though it definitely, you can definitely see like what looks like the outline of his dick. Which is also another weird thing. Like you don't need yeah. to draw a dick print you on this guy. He could to, just... But they, they, they did, did it. What's weirder it's still... Egregious. ...is in some covers <laughs> of this comic I could find, it's just red and black for the underwear, but they they switched it so you can tell that it's not, like, skin or something. And, like, I found a picture where he's yellow. Yeah. It's, it's like, a whole thing. I could not go down the rabbit hole on that. I was so tempted to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, what are you talking about, Bruce Tim? Bruce Tim is a perfectionist. Bruce Tim on the entirety of Batman. I didn't find anything that people thought he was mean, but every single piece of Batman animated series, he was like, it has to be perfect. And I mean, they made a damn, they made a damn good cartoon. You see any interview with him and he's just like staring ahead and he's just like, (laughs) yeah, so this studio wronged me and then we never worked with them again. he's, He's just like such a blunt, right to the point person, which I feel like in the... TV industry, and then when he gets in the comics later, like, it's probably a breath of fresh air for people. hmm Not to speak broadly, but to speak broadly. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times when we work with artists, they, like, won't get to the point. And Bruce yeah. Tim feels like someone who would, like, walk into the meeting and be like, so, I'm not mad, but you guys fucked up frames 10 through 15, so we're gonna have to redo them. <laughs> Just well, like historically, like there were studios that like he's they stopped working with because he was like, mm-hmm. this looks like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I think infamously it was the werewolf, like the werewolf howls at dawn mm-hmm. or whatever the, the mm-hmm. howls at the moon, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. That one is notorious for having bonkers animation. I'm imagining Paul Dini handing him the sketch and just being like, this is not good. And Paul, like, I'm done, I'm fired, I'm out of here. Oh, shit. <laughs> but Again, this is Bruce Timm's show. This is a huge, huge deal that this show's being made. So it makes sense he's a perfectionist. Paul is a contract writer, even though he has TV experience. Like, just wants everything to be perfect. This is a one-off background character. Paul Dini has made, like, an entire personality map. Bruce Timm is working, like, extra hours to make a character design for a background character that is meant to show up, say a few lines, show up in the fight scene, and disappear forever. Like, the joke is that they were just trying to, like, make a hot girl jump out of a cake. (laughs) Yes. That is all she was meant... She was meant to effectively be hot, show up, say some things that sounded sexy, leave. Eat corn chip and lie. (laughs) (laughs) Arlene Sorkin, as I mentioned, gets gets the voice gig. Um, She's not on Days of Our Lives anymore. She's like, I was excited. It's a gig. I'm an actor. It's a job. And it's only a few mm-hmm. hours because it's a one-off character. She's like, I'm going to show up, do the thing for a day, leave. She's like, I got to see Mark Hamill. And apparently she had met Mark Hamill before. Oh. 
and she's been in the industry a while. Apparently, she met Mark Hamill at some party. She's like, so it's exciting to see Mark again. You know, he was such a fantastic actor, blah, blah, blah. One off, she was like, she made the voice easy because she's like, it's a one-off thing. So she essentially used her voice with a little bit more Brooklyn accent. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's a little bit nasier than I talk, and it's a little bit sing-songy. And I like, what did people think like people from Brooklyn sound like? She was not out there like putting her whole ass into it. Like she was like, I this is like a thing. It sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> they get the animation roughs. And before the animation roughs come in, Paul Dini is begging Bruce Tim to do more Harley Quinn stuff. <laughs> begging. And Bruce Tim is like, no. I don't want to do... And Paul's like, but it could be really cool, and I have all these ideas, and Bruce Tim is like, listen, she's a one-off character, and I don't want to give Joker a girlfriend, because Joker's a madman, and that'll humanize him. Which is fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, without Harley Quinn and Batman in the series, I think Joker is very different. Not that I don't think he gets humanized, because he's pretty terrible to her. But it's like a weird grounding force, where like you want Joker to be better, because she loves Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, so it creates this weird tension, I feel like, as a viewer, where you're like... You also are hoping that Joker is not just Joker. Yeah. Instead of just being like, he's the bad guy. Which, mm-hmm. again, I think I think leads into most of the series where most of the bad guys aren't just bad guys. Yeah, that was like the whole like crux of the series. Is mm-hmm. that like, more so than in like any other Batman media, is that like they show the backstories of like all of the villains. Except yeah. for the Joker. Except for the Joker. He's meant to just be a monster. Like, that is... You're not supposed to know what never, his story is. You're never supposed to know his story. You're never supposed to relate to him. The Joker is meant to be... Like, because Batman is meant to be, like, the face of good and justice, right? And the Joker mm-hmm. is meant to be the reverse side, which is just, like, a monster. And you don't get to know a monster. Like, the Joker yeah. is just, like... Like, yeah, he's, like, a person... And I guess you can make the argument, like, why don't they just, like, make a monster then? But then, like, a monster is not, like, if there was, like, a smart monster, that'd be hard to believe. Yeah, it's, like, you don't need to know about, like, why he became this. He is just simply the embodiment of evil. He is this now, and he's been given multiple times to not be this. And he chooses not, he actively chooses not to, so. Yeah, whereas, like, you have, like, the other Batman, like, quote-unquote, like, villains. Mm -hmm. Like, you have, like, uh... Harvey Dent, who is introduced in the series before he is Two Face, mm-hmm. Clay, Clay, Clayface. It's also Face. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You you stopped because you're like, surely they didn't do that. They did. Surely. <laughs> he, okay. I was like, no, can't be Clayface. Clay, you see, Clay guy. <laughs> Clay. Clayman. Claymation. <laughs> Clay. 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 Like. <laughs> yeah. You see Clayface before he's Clayface. I think towards, I've not finished watching it, but, like, I feel like there's a point where Clayface is, like, not villain. He's like, I just hate being a monster, man. I'm sad. The animation roofs come in. The producers sit down to watch them. Producers include Bruce Tim and Paul Dini. Paul Dini is a producer on the show. Mm-hmm. Everyone at the meeting is like, fuck, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> Between the, ant, like, seeing Harley Quinn move and, like, exist, and then, like, hearing Arlene's voice pair with the roughs, like... It was like a type of magic, right? Like when you, like, it's really different to like write all the words and draw some art and then like have a voice actor in a booth. Like that isn't, Mm -hmm. that's not the scene. It's the same way when like directors talk about like watching scenes back, you know, on the, like right on the floor. Cause then they can tell like if it's working and you can tell like, this is working, this isn't working. It's a lot quicker in live action than like an anime. You have to wait. You have to like do everything Mm -hmm. and then you get the rough back and you're like, oh, this is working. This isn't working. Change this. Don't change that. Mm -hmm. And everybody is like, this is going to work. And Tim, Bruce Tim, reluctantly is like, fine. 
<laughs> but not too much. <laughs> he says, you know, there's clearly some kind of magic here. There's clearly something special. You know, he had big plans for Joker, which any I think anyone that gets to touch Batman would think about, like, I want to do something with Joker. At least at this yeah. point. The Joker would... is Bruce Timm's precious little meow meow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's like, I don't want the Joker to be too humanized. I want him to be a little psychopath, homicidal, creepy clown man. That is like, he was mm-hmm. like, that is all I want. Um, I want to make him as fucked up as possible in this kid show that airs on fucking daytime television. <laughs> For children, mind you. For children. I will say, they they got away with a lot. <laughs> oh boy, did they get away with a lot. Like, this show has just handguns? Yes, they just have guns. guns. Just guns. guns. They try to kill. Blood. They shoot people with. They try and shoot people with guns. There is blood. There is cussing. Like <laughs> you know, like low grade cussing. But like cartoons these days, no one says, "Oh my god." Yeah. They say that a lot in Batman, and also he bleeds from like. There's like an episode he gets punched in the face and his nose is bleeding, and it's yeah. like, wow. This the show 90s is truly were lawless. <laughs> Wild, wild. Listen, we did the Saturday morning cartoon episode. Those parent groups had some points. <laughs> they did, but this is after all of that. This is like, uh, yeah, I don't know how they listen. I don't DC Warner Brother. I guess Warner Brothers just had a fucking channel, so who cared, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just anarchy. But like Batman the animated series, air. What channel did it air on originally? It was like Fox Kids Block. Yeah, it was like Fox, it, it, and it eventually also got a primetime air date too. Bruce Tim tells Paul Dini, "If I can do more of your hot clown lady here and there." <laughs> so, the Laughing Fish is the episode that like establishes Harley is in love with the Joker. It's her second appearance, and they show more as like her being in love and like coupley. You might be thinking like, "Oh, but they didn't want to humanize Joker too much." Don't worry, the Joker's awful. This you he's get to see that he's worse. even more of a monster. He's terrible. Um, he's Harley beca- <laughs> Harley becomes a fan favorite. And all throughout her her showing up on Batman in the series, the Joker tries to blow her up. He like pushes her out of windows. He mm-hmm. literally punches her a few times. Like he is awful. <laughs> um, it, it's not sugarcoated. There's never like a moment where it's like, oh, he likes her. No, he he does he does not care about her no, at all. Not even a little bit. He he's awful. Just terrible towards her. Just disgusting. It is meant to come off. As, uh, there's those two puppets. I just forgot their name. I didn't write it down. I was Punch like, oh. and Judy? Yes. Punch and Judy show. One of Paul Dini's other ideas is like, it'd be like Punch and Judy. But when you make a Punch and Judy and they're like a couple, you're like, oh, this is an abuse cycle. And there's like a whole episode that is just about, about it. Like, it does yeah. not... This is the episode, Mad Love, where um, yes. Harley gets thrown out of a window by yes. the Joker. And she's crying about it. It's very well written. It is very hard to watch. Like, yes. it's a lot. And, like, I was like, oh, this was for, like, the five to eight demographic. Good lord. <laughs> like, she becomes a fan favorite. She establishes her friendship with Poison Ivy, where Ivy's trying to convince that she doesn't, her, Harley, she's the Joker, and they, like, go on a whole, like, girl, girl day crime spree. At the end, she goes back to Joker. And they, you know, she, you kind of find out that it was like a whole ploy to like convince Batman to let his guard down. Mm-hmm. She even has episodes of her without Joker in Batman. You see Harley's Holiday. That has the famous scene towards the end where Batman's like, I had a bad day once and Harley kisses him. Harley's Holiday is, she's in Arkham and she's getting out. She's been given a 
bill of clean health, quote unquote. She gets a little, she gets a big old diploma that says sane on it, and she like gets to go have a normal life. As they do. As they do. As they do. That's exactly how you leave prison, everybody. They're just like, you're all good. And you just leave and you get to like go to the, she like goes to the mall and buys a dress. And I was like, where did, where did you get money? You shouldn't, you don't have any money anyway. <laughs> this It's a very romanticized <laughs> way of what rehabilitation looks like. Maybe Bruce Wayne has fixed some things in Gotham. But she like goes to, we find out she's blonde hair and blue eyes because she's not in her makeup. She's like not Harley Quinn. She like goes to the mall to buy a dress. She's like so excited. She's like having a great day. She like runs into Bruce Wayne and is like, I know you, your chin. And he gets freaked out and she's like, you're Bruce Wayne. She's like walking her pet hyenas. <laughs> she's just very chaotic. She's just very chaotic and excited to be like out. And he's like, I'm so glad you're, he's like, she's like, I just got an Arkham. And he's like excited for her. She's leaving the store and the clerk forgot to take the security tag off her dress. Harley Quinn thinks she's going back to jail because security guards like coming to tell her they forgot to take the security tag off. And she essentially has like a PTSD moment where she's terrified she's going back to prison for like for existing she like steals bruce wayne's car she like kidnaps someone accidentally she goes out to the she creates like this whole ordeal of a day she essentially creates like a she has a bad day and at the end she gets saved by batman and when she's taken back to arkham they're like you know you won't be here long we just have to work on your skills a little bit or something Mm -hmm. and they really it's one of the times they really lean into the fact that like you know arkham is supposed to help people um not a lot of batman media does that in this episode of harley quinn you really get to see that that they're like this is meant to help you like we Mm -hmm. will work on we will the doctor is like we will work on your skills and you will be out very soon i promise yeah she goes on to be in numerous dc animated shows and even dc video the dc video game the adventures of batman and robin she's in the batman animated series she's in the new the new batman adventures not the new adventures of batman that's a 70s show (laughs) uh which was confusing as fuck researching (laughs) because i was like why is this about 1972? When I was like trying to look up episodes, I was like, wait, why am I looking at something from 1972? This is the new, <laughs> this is the bat, the new Batman adventures, right? They're like, oh no, no, no. You must mean, I digress. Please get better at naming <laughs> stuff. This whole time, Arlene Sorkin is voicing Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn is a showstopper. Anytime she shows up in a show, it's a big deal. People love her. Fans love her. Kids love her. Everything's coming up Harley. Mm-hmm. But... She's not been in comics yet. She shows up in a few, like, Batman the Animated Series comic books. She shows up mm-hmm. in some Elseworlds books. The book Mad Love is a Batman the Animated Series book. It was written by Paul Dini, and I believe... I don't know if Bruce Timm did all of the art for it. Yes, it was It was Bruce Timm's first full comic book. It was kind of like... It was released as, like, a spinoff to, like, the Batman Adventures comics that were coming out that were based mm-hmm. on the animated series harley quinn's first appearance is technically i want to say and i'm gonna look this up really quick but i want to say it was bat batman adventures 11 12 damn i was one off yeah september 1993 <laughs> uh 12th issue batman yeah. adventures yeah that one's got like batgirl on the cover it's a, got ivy and harley are in the background this issue goes for like a lot of money Mad Love also goes for a lot of money. Mad Love mm-hmm. comes out in February 1994, which is in the Batman animated series universe. It's still not "quote unquote" official DC Comics. This story marks the first time Paul Dini and Bruce Timm work on a comic together, and this is seen as like the definitive Harley Quinn like origin story. Because until then, it's been like hinted at things like she was a psychiatrist at Arkham. Like you know, she worked there. Maybe it really hammers in like 
Joker is an abusive partner and Harley Quinn is stuck in a cycle of abuse with him. And that, like, the Joker manipulated her to get him out of prison. And Yes. Their entire relationship is a farce. The whole thing is, like, Joker found someone who's vulnerable because that's what people like that do and convinced mm-hmm. them that he was the only one who couldn't understand her. So he could yep. get out. That was that was it. And then she stuck around and he is like, why are you still here? Literally, literally kick you out of a window. But it gets white. It gets an Eisner. It gets a Harvey Award for best single issue the, the same year. Um, and it gets turned into an episode, as Brenda mentioned, in 1999. Which it, it pretty much goes the same as the comic about like her recounting her start of her relationship with Joker. Mm-hmm. The way they got to make this book is Paul Dini and Bruce Timmer at Comic-Con at SCCC. They're having lunch with someone named Danny O'Neill, who was the group editor for all Batman comics at the time, which that sounds like a nightmare job. <laughs> Can you imagine if your job was watching over all of the Batman books? Like, a nightmare. The pressure. <laughs> but they essentially got told, if you want to do a comic book, just let us know. And about a month later, as he is wont to do, Paul Dini is like, Bruce, I have an idea. <laughs> Bruce, hear me out. Sexy. Hear me out. It's still to this, it's beloved. It's seen as one of the best issues of Batman comics period of all time. As of this recording, it is going at most collector sites for anywhere between, depending on the cover you got, because there's two covers. Mm-hmm. There's the main cover and the alt cover. Depending on the cover and the rating it has, if it's slabs of... Nine and higher are going for $600. Unslabbed issues are going for like 150 Damn. Again, speculators, it's a collector site. Like, if it's worth that to you, that is what they're guessing. But that is that is what it is listed at on various collector sites right now. But that is like a big Harley Quinn issue. The next, the, the next big one is Batman, Batman Harley Quinn number one, which is her official like entrance into DC Comics canon. She has a slightly different origin story. The abusive nature of Joker is made very clear, because it's a comic. Paul Dini wrote it, and he was like, I really wanted to hammer home, like, the Joker's a piece of shit towards her. Paul Dini can write some really fucked up shit. (laughs) He really (laughs) messed up. A lot of people know him as, like, the Batman the Animated Series guy. And yes, he did work on Ewoks. And yes, he did work on the Shazam cartoon. Yes. But... But... (laughs) And yes, he can can write a lot of, like, lighthearted stuff. But holy shit yeah. can he also write Paul, Paul Dini has been through it mm-hmm. he has a little autobiographical comic you can get if you are interested in Ooh, yeah. seeing how he went through it while working on Batman animated series it's I need to let you know right now it is extremely depressing and sad and you will probably feel sad when you're done reading it yep you'll be like damn <laughs> <laughs> that's it you'll be like fuck man fuck shit I didn't know that happened to you damn yeah it's <laughs> It's, it details how he was jumped and left within, like, inches of his life and then had to somehow write about Batman punching people as if mm-hmm. that was fun. And he's like, this is what you do. This hurts. Wait. Yeah, he's like, I have been beaten within an inch of my life now and I'm just supposed <laughs> to keep writing about? Okay. Yeah, sure. This is great for my psyche. <laughs> I don't know if he's the good guy. <laughs> Of course, in this issue, in this comic, Paul Dini can't help but introduce Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. Like, first thing, Harley Quinn is almost killed by Joker. I forget, I didn't write it down. The, what Joker does is, like, s- sends her off in, like, a rocket and tries and tries to, bl- and, like, blows her up in the rocket. Paul Dini wanted something even more fucked up. Oh, and DC was like, no. No. Reel it in, man. I didn't write it down because I think I was like, I read it and I was like, what the fuck, Paul? 
one one second paul paul wanted her to just straight up get like shot and they're like no what it was like that or like have joker like 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 beat her uh and dc was like dude pause paul please Uh, please stop so instead it's like a rocket getting blown up but do we She's in the class. She's in the classic Harley Quinn outfit. Uh, Poison Ivy pulls her out of the wreckage because Poison Ivy's like walking through the park and is like, "What's all this shit in my park?" Because you know, <laughs> you know, trees and shit. Get off my grass! And it's it's like she's here. She's now in DC Comics. She made it. Barely. She's she's she barely made it. She made it to Batman animated series, New Batman Adventures. Through the New Batman Adventures, she spends a lot more time with Ivy. I did the gay wrist thing, and I realized we're not on a video. <laughs> <laughs> Implied gay wrist. Implied gay wrist. That she hangs out more for gal pal Ivy and some other gal pals. This is the inception of their relationship. <laughs> Harley and Ivy guest on an episode of Static Shock together. Where Static goes to Gotham. Also, why is Dakota next to Gotham if Gotham's New York? Explain. <laughs> look, look at the map. It doesn't make any sense. It this doesn't make sense. checking out. But she is like... Every, in she is like everywhere for the DC animated series. She's highly in comics. Everything's coming up Harley. Mm-hmm. In December of 2000, she gets her own solo series named Harley Quinn. Starts with her leaving the Joker and going out for crime on her own. The series is by Carl Ka- Kessel and Terry Dotson. Uh, Terry Dotson's wife, Rachel Dotson, did the colors. I like to look at who did the colors. People don't mention the colors a lot. <laughs> but Carl and Terry went to the DC, made the pitch, and they were like, a love story gone terribly, horribly wrong. And DC's like, we love it. But the people didn't love it. 25 issues, December of 2002, gets, they get replaced with a new team. That team had low sales. They tried like a new gritty take that like people were more into, but the sales were like, when your sales are already underwhelming, it going up a little bit isn't like you need like a big jump. Yeah. I tried pulling it up. Comicron didn't have data. So I don't know how it sold. <laughs> we'll just never know. But it didn't, wasn't, wasn't popping off. So in 2003, it got canceled outright. And it's kind of goes dark for Harley Quinn there. This is like in this period where like we would have like, 2003 is like, we're watching Batman animated series reruns, but like, there's no new Harley Quinn stuff coming out. Yeah, like she didn't make a lot of appearances in Justice League or anything. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird time. But then we have the like, I, I, this like modern era of Harley Quinn happen in 2009. Two two things happened. Do you know what two things happened in 2009? Well, I graduated high school. Okay. And um, I bought my first laptop. I also graduated high school. I did not buy my first laptop. I <laughs> I got one for uh, being a fucking nerd. Like, literally. <laughs> I got a laptop and, like, school books for college. <laughs> oh, um, nice. From, like, a grant. But also, in 2009, Gotham City Sirens is coming out from Paul Dini. Oh, yes. Paul Dini on words and art and interiors are by Gilliam March. And also in 2009, a very critical thing comes out, which is the first Arkham series game. Oh, God, it's that old? Yes. I said the same thing. (laughs) What the fuck? Because I didn't get it right when it came out. I got it like Game of the Year edition in like 2012 or some shit for like $10. For the Wii U. (laughs) <laughs> we got no what no yeah so i played arkham asylum on the wii u that sounds like a terrible experience wait no i didn't even get arkham asylum on the wii u i got um arkham city that sounds like a worse experience <laughs> but arkham asylum comes out it is a massive hit video games just reach more people 
period. Yeah. Arkham Asylum sold almost three million units in its first month. Jesus. The big, the the highest grossing Batman book at the time, which was the main Batman book, sold a hundred thousand copies. Jesus. <laughs> which is like, I love comics. I love comic creators. Listen, we wouldn't have fucking Arkham Asylum without people making Batman comics, and we should just pay Batman comic creators quadruple what they get paid to showcase that. But mm-hmm. damn, <laughs> <laughs> damn! It's like we wouldn't still have comics without like all of like the other stuff that happens no, around comics. Absolutely not, which is a shame. Yeah, truly, because comics are really cool. It's just that they just can't hit that audience that big audience no they just haven't figured it out i wonder if you can't walk into a store like any store and buy like a floppy comic like no you have to seek them out they got to make it more accessible but truly gotham city sirens you get ivy harley and catwoman the gal pals i did quotes again (laughs) (laughs) as like the three they're like the three biggest Gotham like villainesses mm-hmm. and then this un this like unstable alliance for a time being from this point until now Harley Quinn is always in an ongoing book from mm-hmm. 2009 until right now as I'm talking 2022 Harley Quinn is always in some book that is coming out but the Arkham game is probably the most influential thing released at this point besides her animated series appearance because in Gotham City Siren she still looks like animated series Harley Quinn yeah in the Arkham game she's like a like uh she's like she's not just like hot she's like slutty sexy i hate her arkham (laughs) it's it's a lot they clearly were like you know edgy and gritty um it's a lot the all the original voice cast like you know kevin does the batman mark does joker arlene does harley arlene will do harley quinn voice until the dc on the dc universe online game that Mm -hmm. mmo they tried making (laughs) yeah Remember that? Remember that? That's the last time she does Harley Quinn, and now it is mostly Tara Strong. It's also been Hayden Welch a few times. From here, we get a new era after into Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, the first one, first of all, DC didn't want Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad. Can you can you imagine? So we moved into New 52, which New 52 was 2000. Are we sure? It was 2011, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just like, I don't. I know. I sw- <laughs> it was did, 10 that means I've talked to you at this point because New 52, I was coming into the shop. Yeah. Well, like, okay, so New, no, I wasn't in Grand Rapids yet because oh, 2011. Okay. Yeah, 2011, I was still in Flint. I moved okay. to Grand Rapids in 2012, and then I started working at the comic shop in 2014. So we still, okay. there's still a ways to go before our friendship begins. <laughs> uh, but she gets a redesign. <laughs> there gets some pushback because it's like. It's, like, very sexy. It's bad. It's, it's, yeah. It's, like, non-existent shorts. Yeah, it's... But this is where she gets, like, her, like, kind of, like, two-toned hair. You get the you get the split dye. You yeah. get the, like, corset top, which is from the Arkham games. With our boobs just bobbling. The art they tried to do, that the art team and the right team tried to do, is trying too hard. Yes. Just, like, way too hard. I get some pushback, which, understandably. But here, we meet Harley Quinn, and she is completely divorced from Joker. Joker is, like, not a thing. Because in New 52, Joker is supposedly dead. He just left his face behind. Remember that? Remember that, everybody? (laughs) Oh, oh my God. That was such a... That was a wild time. But they didn't want Harley on Suicide Squad. They said she's a Batman villain. Why would she show up? Which, I'm just trying to imagine Suicide Squad without her. 
Because, like, yeah. first of all, who who's gonna buy what? Who's the book for? Who's gonna buy your fucking Suicide Squad book? Like to see Deadshot? <laughs> to see um, who else was on that team? I don't even remember who else exactly. was on that team. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was just so unmemorable. Like Harley is the only memorable part of this run. This was written by Adam Glass, who is yes. not one of my favorite writers. No. I think everything Adam Glass has written is bad. And Adam Glass also wrote some of the worst episodes of Supernatural. So yep. he was like, I was a Supernatural writer. I was going to ask you because I don't, I don't go there. Oh yeah, I remember. And like, it, they're bad because I want to say like he started writing probably around like season seven. Mm-hmm. I want to say that's when it really started getting bad, and I was just like, mm-hmm. God, I hate these episodes. What do they all have in common? Oh, it's Adam Glass. And then I started getting really into comics, and I was like, Adam Glass, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, like, Adam also oh. switches up her origin story um, in issue mm-hmm. seven of this run of Suicide Squad. It goes, it changes it from the Mad Love origin. Which, yeah. this happens in comics, where they, like, when they bring back a character, like, let's talk about the origin again. We're gonna change this stuff. And they kind of do this thing to try and, like, reflect Joker's origin, question mark, that you're not, like, Joker, like, the, this is the, like, perceived fan origin of, like, Joker and the Vata Chemicals. Like, people, we the people made that into a thing, and they just kind of put it in a book one. Like, that, they just, they're, <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're like, yeah, like, sure. All right. They're like, sure, yeah. That's what happened. Sure. Okay. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> um... Where she's, they're at Arkham, she kills her supervisor and a guard, Rip. and then her and Joker leave, and Joker com- takes her to the chemical plant, and she's like, should we go back, those people? And then Joker pushes her into the chemical vat, Jeez. which bleaches her skin and gives her a split dye, which is a lot to, like, process. Yeah, it's like, okay, the bleaches her skin, okay, fine, I guess. Gives her the split dye? Excuse me. What? Yeah. What would, what would cause, what would do that? What? <laughs> It's weird. They're clearly leaning into, I think, the, like, Joker's abusive thing. And, like, she, she didn't want to be this way. But that takes away a lot of the character's agency. That is, like, a big part of her. Like, she, at this point, she is a bad guy. It, it doesn't, you don't mm-hmm. have to make me be like, oh, but she didn't want to. Like, she's a bad, she, she chose to leave with the Joker. You can change the, like, if she killed people or not in the way out if you want to. But she made yeah. the choice to leave with a monster. And kind of just being like she was forced into being Harley Quinn. It's just it. That's it's weird because then a, it's yeah. weird because then you don't want her to be like the whole point of Harley Quinn's character is you like you want her to be free from other people and for her to define what that means for herself. You want her to be able to find her own agency, but like she's still like wild. <laughs> yeah, like she's still like she is in this version of Harley Quinn. She is like. Very violent, very sadistic, and very messed up. She is like, mm-hmm. this is the most like violent Harley Quinn we've seen. Yeah, and it's like it just doesn't, it just doesn't gel with like, and it didn't gel. It did not Mm-mm. gel with what people knew of the character and what people liked about the character. Mm-mm. Didn't it really play. Didn't work. Fans didn't like it. People staged a protest at Comic Con. <laughs> there weren't a lot of people in the po- in the photo, but the fact that someone that people did it is like a lot. Yeah, and it wasn't just like a we don't want her to be here or something. It was like we don't like this version of this character. Yeah, and I think in, in this instance, I think that's valid. I just yeah. don't like. I don't care for this version of Harley Quinn yeah. at all. It's a lot, and I think like yeah, I think like the only thing that this series like brought to the character and brought to the table was that like now. Harley Quinn just is part of the Suicide Squad. There's yeah. two live-action movies that feature her in the Suicide Squad. Yeah. She just is now a part of it. 
that's the biggest thing. I mean, yeah. that and, like, some of the design stuff. Like, mm-hmm. this is where we get into, like, it's... Listen, if that was, like, a one-off, like, do you want the sexy cover? Be like, oh, the sexy cover. But, like, it being a full design is, like, this is a lot. Like, I would buy it as a sexy cover. This yeah, is this not... this is just the regular. <laughs> this is just I'm, what like, she looking, wears. <laughs> I'm looking at it. It is, like, the tiniest corset, and it's not... Yes. It is not big enough for her. Her tits are so big in that picture. Here's the thing about corsets. It's on backwards because the laces go in the back. The laces go in the back. She has it on backwards. Yes. And I'm like looking at her titties respectfully, might I add. And I'm like, well, the nipple would be there. Right there. Right? Right there. Hanging out. Yeah. And this is how you know only men are working on Harley Quinn. And only men have been working on Harley Quinn. All props to Paul Dini. The same way I give all props to... The guy whose name I forgot that made uh, Miles Morales. Oh, Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis. Like, did a good job. Yeah. Only men have worked on Harley Quinn until her second book that is solo named Harley Quinn ongoing series. Amanda Connor with her husband, Mm -hmm. Jimmy, whose last name I didn't write down. Palmiati. All the other articles I read listed Jimmy first, and I was like, you're not gonna. Listen, I'm letting you guys know right now that the lady was the one. (laughs) There's no, you're telling me there's a Harley Quinn book, and you think the man is the top villain, you idiot. (laughs) I'm sure Jimmy's a great guy. (laughs) They're married, so like. (laughs) Chad Hardeen and John Timmons are on the art and colors, respectfully. And this is like... This is the, like, the book. This is Antihero Harley. She's left the Joker. Another, co- This is the costume design of, like, the Robert Der- roller derby girl, going back to, like, mm-hmm. the Arlene influences. They take some of the stuff they liked from the Suicide Squad art. She's back in her red and black motif. Like, she's still hot. Like, this, this art's also yeah. hot, but it's not, like, weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, the proportions are a lot better. She just, like... It's, like, not as, like, egregious, I want to yes. say. Yeah, exactly. And this series is predominantly a uh, comedy. Yes, it is more lighthearted. It's more comedic. It is still, like, mm-hmm. violent. It's, like, it's like Har- it's Harley Quinn. She's violent yeah. and messed up, and she finds humor in beating people up. It is unhinged. Like, yes. This, and this is where a lot of, like, the current animated series took, like, a lot of inspiration from. Yes. Because there's the, the, the dead beaver and... Mm-hmm. The, the dog and there's a lot of things that will just become staples of harley quinn in this exactly book. i think this was also the series that had the um the smell issue yes the <laughs> tea time the, out <laughs> yes um so every year dc will release annuals for their oh books, which is like yeah 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 larger, okay I, yeah, yeah. Which, oh no i thought you meant the sm- like there was an issue where you got a bunch of books like where you got books and they smelled at the store you mean i know what you mean yes please well continue. they did smell they did smell so they, they released this annual that was like the special rub and smell spectacular yes <laughs> and so like it was like scratch and sniff but there was like the regular version that was like pine tree scented i believe and mm-hmm. then there was the the variant which was weed <laughs> incredible thanks dc it was, it was a lot the book's a smash hit everyone loves it everyone loves it it becomes one of dc's best selling selling books of the new 52 of all time issue one sold 114,000 copies in the first printing alone in november of 2013 the only the only book that outsold that book. The only book. This is. It's the number two book of the month. Yeah, number one's gonna be Batman, right? Yes, the only book that sold is Batman. There was only a ten thousand book margin. That's it. That's ridiculous. 
So, like, Batman sells more issues than pretty much anything. Books that get close to selling as much as Batman, Deadpool sometimes gets there. And then during the height of Saga, Saga gets there and Walking Dead would get there sometimes. Like, so this is a big deal. (laughs) The Harley Quinn, like, self-named? She didn't name it herself. She would. Book is a (laughs) smash hit. It is second selling, highest selling book in November. It's the 34th highest selling book of the entire year. It was out for two fucking months, Brenda. Yeah, it was a big deal. People were going feral over this book. We had Harley Quinn back. She wasn't like over violent, weird, sexy. She wasn't, it wasn't a team up book. Like it was, people hadn't gotten to experience Harley Quinn like this really ever. Like she's never had like her own TV show. She's always been with other people like she's always like harley quinn and someone else this had to like establish her like cast of supporting characters Mm -hmm. she wasn't like a character that had that so they had to like come up with their own like what does she do all day yeah like what's her what's her vibe (laughs) where she live (laughs) so she like joins like she's like roller derby harley and she like has her own apartment she's got Mm -hmm. the hyenas Mm -hmm. and the the dead beaver (laughs) so much it's it's a lot like it's wacky and over the top but it's like more true to the original version of Mm -hmm. her character while still being its own unique thing it's the one that establishes that harley quinn and ivy are together it establishes that they are super gay and also polyamorous they the writers amanda connor specifically says in one interview that yes like Ivy and Harley are a couple. They're in a non-monogamous relationship. I think there's one interview where Jimmy's like, they don't have the jealousy of monogamy, which is like, oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. Jimmy, that's Jimmy, the- you want to say something about your own relationship? What does that with- mean, Jimmy? Jimmy, please, please elaborate, okay? <laughs> but it, it's huge. New 52 Harley Quinn gets a ton of reception. One of the top-selling series. Multiple spinoffs. Harley Quinn is, everything's coming up Harley. <laughs> 2016, it only goes up. Margot Robbie dons Harley Quinn for the Suicide Squad movie, the first one. The bad one. The bad one. <laughs> but Margot Robbie it's, gives an iconic performance that... She does, changes truly. Changes the shape of the character once more. Now, the, they, her, the split dye becomes the blue and pink, and it's just the tips, like Margot Robbie in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they, it's been a weird blending. It, uh, not weird, interesting blending, because like she keeps the comic... And the animated series keeps the red and black, like, motif for her suit. But the hair is distinctly the Margot Robbie hair. Like, 100%. Yeah. Um, and she's got that j- that jacket that says, like, what like what does it say? Oh, uh, uh... It's like da- uh, Daddy Little Monster, Monster or something yes. like that? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it becomes an iconic look. Like, that year, like, you couldn't... You could not go ten feet without finding a Harley Quinn cosplayer, either a cosplay... Or for Halloween. It was like the highest selling Halloween costume I found out. This is when Harley Quinn gets dubbed officially the fourth pillar of DC Comics. Wow. Incredible. She's behind Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. She is, at the time, in 2016, she was in the Suicide Squad book, and four. she was in her own book and three other books, concurrently. Jeez. The only people who had as many monthly appearances as her were Batman and Superman. Wild. Harley Quinn was, at the time, and I would say to this day, DC Comics' most prominent, prolific, and financially successful woman character. Mm -hmm. The head of DC Comics, the collectibles line, (laughs) 
which is someone's job, says Harley Quinn is the top seller. She can go toe-to-toe with Batman and the Joker and is easily the most fan-requested character we get month by month from fan letters. There's so many, like, different statues of her. Like, there's even, like, as Austin mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there's a statue based on Paul Dini's original sketch exactly. for her costume. That's how many Harley Quinns are. There's, like, Bish- Bishojo Harley Quinn, yeah. and there's, like, Kodobukiya Harley Quinn, there's a Harley Quinn Nendoroid, there's so there's many. so much. Don't get me started on the pops. <laughs> the most recent things for Harley Quinn... Her own animated series. Are you kidding? Her yes. own animated. Just it is just the Harley Quinn show. She's not the. It starts with her breaking up with Joker. Season one is all about her getting over Joker. Season two is about her falling in love with Poison Ivy. Season it has been. It's just a gift that keeps on giving. I won't keep spoiling the show, but it's incredible. <laughs> the writers on that show also wrote a compelling Joker. Yeah, I've seen clips of the Joker, and I'm just like, what is going on here? Would you like, like to know? Yes, I would like to know. So. At some point in the series, Harley Quinn tries to kill Joker. She thinks it works. Yes. What actually happens is Joker uh, lives through the blast, but loses his memory and becomes like a normal dude. <laughs> he becomes like a coffee shop worker, falls in love with a nurse, becomes the kid's like new father figure. It's like a whole thing. And then Harley Quinn. Yeah, that's that's the clip I saw. Yes. And I was just like, what? Then Harley like, Harley Quinn needs Joker, not like whatever name they gave him. She like needs Joker because he's the only one who knows where like Batman's hideout is or something, and they have to find Batman. And so she re-Jokerifies him. She like pushes him in the vat, and she's like, "Hey, cool." Uh, and Joker decides instead of being a supervillain, he really likes being a he likes being a dad. <laughs> and like from the clips I've seen, he's like he's very Joker about it, but he's not bad. <laughs> no, he's very he's- Joker, but he's like he loves those. He he becomes mayor of Gotham. Uh, all because his son, his his new adopted son, couldn't get into the Spanish immersion program, and he really wants him in it so he can be proud of his Spanish heritage. Oh my goodness, I love it so much. It is... It- <laughs> the Harley Quinn show is an incredible piece of art. I got done what like there's not there's the episode that like really details all this Joker stuff in the newest season, and I got done, mm-hmm. and I said, I can't believe they made me like the Joker. I, I like that yeah. Joker. He is great. <laughs> he robs banks to give it back to people. <laughs> like, he, like, oh holds God. up banks. And he literally goes outside and starts handing out the money to the people. He's like, the 1% will steal from us no longer. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so chaotic. But it is, it's incredible. Uh, the, and the last thing with Harley Quinn in comics is the Infinite Frontier launch at DC. They DC likes to rebrand. They, all, they do it all the time. Harley Quinn is now mm-hmm. a full-on superhero. No longer an anti-hero. She's not a cr- criminal who does good sometimes. She is full-on a superhero. She has a sidekick whose name is Kevin. He's another former Joker henchman who got away from his abuse. <laughs> and they want to do good because they feel bad about all the wrong they did when Joker convinced them they should be bad guys. Oh my goodness. It's like that could kind of like go both ways. It could be either be like written really well or mm-hmm. it could be written poorly yeah i have not read any new harley quinn but that is the most recent harley quinn comic she's in the gotham knights game i'm not gonna talk about it (laughs) because i don't i don't like (laughs) there 
We're not going to talk about Gotham Knights. There, it's going to be disappointment. There's a fu- okay, there's a fucking interview where they talk about where they did an older Harley Quinn. And they talk about how you've seen so many versions of Harley Quinn, but what of her being older and being on her own or knowing herself? And to that I say, you've never read or watched anything Harley Quinn, have you? Her whole thing has always been about, like, finding herself. And it's been incredible because it's very hard. Because comic characters in in these big universes exist in the middle part of their story right like you can't get to the end Mm because their stories don't end they're always in the middle part and it's a very fine line to walk for like ongoing harley quinn stuff to like reach a conclusion for her where she isn't like just under someone but not be like and she's done growing and people keep doing it because i don't know she is just like freedom um in the book uh harley quinn breaking glass Mm-hmm. Um, which is an it's one of my favorite Harley Quinn things ever made. It, it's really good. It's part of DC's um shortly lived DC Ink line. Oh, it's which done. Is like a series of books. Damn. Well, okay. So it was so cool. So they had. Well, no. Wait, 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 wait. Let me elaborate. Give me a moment. <laughs> DC Ink and DC. So DC Ink was mm-hmm. their teen line, and then DC Zoom was their like ten and under line. Right. And. At some point, DC was just like, well, we're just going to just simplify that. So it has like a separate name now. So both are just like under the same umbrella, which I think is, you know, kind of, I don't think it's too confusing to have like Zoom and Ink. I don't know. It it made like an easy distinction between the two like books for like the two age groups. Mm -hmm. Um, But Breaking Glass is by, um, written by Mariko Tamaki and then it has art by Steve Pugh. Um, Steve Pugh did the art on, um, the Flintstone series. Right. Breaking Glass is just, it's just incredible. It's like a alternate origin of Harley Quinn. Uh, that's a little bit, mm-hmm. it feels, it's a little bit more grounded. She's a, she's like a runaway teen. Um, she, she goes to Gotham High. She makes, she has a friend named Ivy. Um, and there's this weird guy who is maybe cool. Who's kind of an asshole. It's Joker. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Um, but it's a really, really cool book. And it, I think shows the depth and dimensions of a character like Harley Quinn, who in any situation you put Harley Quinn in, I think the guiding light is always like Harley Quinn is a hurt person who is trying to figure out like how to move forward without being a hurt person who hurts people. Yeah. And she spends a lot of time hurting people in most of her stories because she's trying to figure it out, but she always figures it out. And I, I'm kind of excited for this infinite frontier stuff simply because like, I wonder where where she'll go. Um, yeah, I think you can push a lot of, in a lot of ways. I, I think it'd be cool to show her trying to like reconcile with some like guy she stabbed, and he's like, "I'm not gonna forgive you." You stab, you know, like I, there's cool stuff there too to be like, just because you do good doesn't mean everyone's gonna forgive you either. Exactly. I love Harley Quinn. I think she's a great gift, and I am sorry to future Brenda that this episode is over two hours long. All right, we gotta go. Brenda has to pare down so much. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacelle Cast Podcast Network. Like, beat her? Uh, yeah. And DC was like, dude, pause. Paul, please. Uh, please stop. So instead it's like a rocket getting blown up, but... Do we, she's in the class, she's in the classic Harley Quinn outfit. Uh, Poison Ivy pulls her out of the 